0: Welcome to the ProcureTech podcast, where we aim to excite and inspire you about how technology will shape our profession's future. I'm your host, James Meads, and I worked in corporate procurement for 16 years before starting my own business as a content creator and consultant in the procurement technology space. I'm deeply convinced that procurement must become less technocratic and embrace the entrepreneurial spirit and creativity if we're ever going to shake off our image of being a process-obsessed, box-ticking function. You definitely won't find vanilla content on here, and we're not afraid to tackle some controversial topics and tell it like it really is. So if that's your thing, now let's jump right into this week's episode. Yes, hello, and a very warm welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech podcast. We are the official podcast of procurementsoftware.site, the only website where you can look, search, filter on over 320 software solutions in less time than it takes to boil an egg, all absolutely free of charge. And today on the show, we're going to be talking a little bit about the state of the procurement tech market. Where's it going? What are some of the challenges? What are some of the trends? And who are some of the new players that are coming out to challenge that? Or who is one specifically? Well, uh, I'd like to introduce my guest for today's show, uh, who is Ward Carson, uh, Chief Operating Officer of Raindrop. They are a procurement tech suite based out of, the, out of California who are out to disrupt and challenge some of the existing players. So Ward, very warm welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you, James. I appreciate you having us today. This is fantastic.
0: So, raindrop have been around for a while, but are really starting to see some growth now and we find ourselves in a pretty challenging market in terms of the economic situation and obviously some of the challenges around funding, especially and this obviously is going to affect the procurement tech market as well and you know, we've seen probably one of the biggest shocks that none of us really expected last December when uh, Cooper, one of the biggest players in the industry, were were acquired by Toma Bravo. And, you know, it's logical to suggest that there will probably be more acquisitions or more mergers uh, coming down the road. So I think that would be a good place to pick it up, really, just to set the scene. If maybe just take a really quick Few seconds to introduce where Raindrop sits, and we'll dig into that a little bit later as well. And what you really see from what's happened to Cooper and, and where you think it's going to propel us going forward?
1: Yeah, that's a great question and way to start. Uh, I would say that first off, uh, one change I'd make: uh, Raindrop has been around at least as as of this recording for just about four years at this point in time. But it's probably more important to state that we actually come from a procurement practitioner and procurement leadership space for the past 30 years, at least in this guy's life. That's uh, all he's ever done (laughs) for his career. Uh, And so it really comes from, as a practitioner, uh, understanding the space, knowing the players, having used pretty much most of the technologies, let's call it legacy technologies out there. And then where we saw perhaps gaps and said, you know, let's put our money where our mouth is, literally in this particular case, and uh, try to go solve uh, the procure tech environment on the uh, full P2P uh, enterprise spend management suite. So that's what we decided to do. That's the 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 perspective we came from. Everyone comes from their own space. I know there are a lot of providers out there who are engineers trying to find a a problem to solve, create some software and go sell it. Um, I think that the industry in general, people will start seeing these companies if they are, in fact, either bootstrapped or or fully leveraged by VC. um, There might be some challenges and headwinds for those organizations. Our main providers that we uh, compete against going to be companies that are in the more legacy space. So those organizations that you might have seen as the you know 20 to 30-year-old providers in our, organ- in our industry, not so much perhaps some of the startups that are more point solution-based. So yeah, I do think that it's going to be an interesting series of time. As of the moment of us uh, doing this uh, podcast here today, uh, the announcement just came out a day or two ago about the UBS and Credit Suisse takeover we had the Silicon Valley Bank two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. So this is all relatively new. I think that there will probably be history books written and college uh, theses written in five years from now about exactly what happened and shook out and will have felt the effects. But this is pretty new. So I, I, I think that those organizations that are on the bubble or perhaps a little bit struggling either may get acquired and consumed. Uh, that certainly is uh, what you just were referring to in one case with Coupa, although I think they'll be just fine. Thank you. And then, you know, uh, I think this industry is going to be changing to pretty some degree in the next several years. That's for sure, I think. And considering you have organizations that are uh, growing in terms of, hey, I, there's money that's coming into this entire space. And we could talk about further about what the entire P2P space is and uh, how that compares to perhaps the other side of the desk, with like investments that customers are making on the CRM side. Uh, and then what's happening in that industry? So there are certainly comparisons and parallels to draw.
0: And CRM is an interesting one. I'm glad, I'm glad you touched on that because pretty much every organization, you know, even relatively small startups, they they all have a CRM system. Whereas when you look at it on the flip side, there are a lot of companies, pretty big, you know, not just small businesses and early stage startups that don't have any. Sort of supplier relationship management system. If you say you know, CRM, the opposite of that is SRM, and that can encompass P 2 P, source to contract. You know the whole manner of things around how you how you manage and transact with your vendors. Why do you think that is? And I think I mean I kind of know the answer to the question, but in a lot of ways. But why do you think that is? Because it, the logical thing would be, well, of course you need something to manage all of your vendors, and yet plenty of companies don't have it.
1: So that's a- Outstanding question. We spent a lot of time thinking about that. So the, the CRM market is, uh, at least as of 2022, about $55 billion. The SRM market, the PDP market, the enterprise management, whatever you want to call it, it's all the same. It was about $6.6 6 billion. So it's about an eighth the size of the CRM market. So you have to ask the question that you just did. Well, why is that? And the answer, I think, is uh, several fold. You know, Doctor Chester Carris, and back in the day when he was writing on his chalkboard—yes, uh, chalk, not whiteboard—he actually drew the letter A, and then he drew a long line. He drew an arrow to the letter B, and he said, "Where between A and B do you see the word procurement?" And the answer is, if you're not interjecting yourself somewhere in there, then you don't exist. So, someone has a need as A, and someone has a, someone got and fulfilled that need is B. So, one of the things I like to say is. You tell me how many employees you have, and I'll tell you how many buyers you have. Because every company has everyone buying things. Now, they don't necessarily need a piece of software to go do it. They're going to go get it. They're going to hand accounts payable and invoice and say, could you please pay this? Okay, I'll fill out a truck request and off I go. But who's bringing in revenue? Not everyone could do that. It's very specific. right? So who's going to invest in a revenue solution? Well, everybody. Like you said, even up to small startups are going to go buy CRM solutions. And I don't care if it's Salesforce or Zoho or Sugar or Dynamics, or there's over 40 different uh, CRM providers out there, and they're probably all good. Uh, HubSpot is included, right? That are valued at over a billion dollars at just market caps. And so these are all great companies that can do and solve the needs for the money coming into my company. But what about the money flowing out of my company? So I have a set organization, that's sales. Maybe I have a company, I have one sales guy, or maybe I have a thousand sales guys. That's limited. But everyone at your company spends money from one person to a million people. So do I have the ability to go buy one solution, have one procurement department, go manage on one thing? Not if everybody goes back from A to B, like Dr. Chester Karras said, I, I, have, I need something, I get, I'll go have something. Uh, so I think it's a question about control. I do think there is absolutely, uh, well, I think most studies are showing, most analysts are, are suggesting that by the end of this decade, uh, the SRM space is uh, going to double. So going from that $6.6 billion to a little over $13 billion by 2030. So you're looking effectively at about a 10%, almost 10% compounding every you know, annual growth uh, every year. So having that in mind, who's spending money on this space uh, as opposed to CRM, I think there's more interest because there's only two sides to the table when you negotiate Uh, CRM, everyone's always going to have that. And the answer to the question, why is? Is because, well, don't overthink it. It's pretty simple. It makes you money. So I I think that people are realizing, now I need to manage the money going out of my company, not just control the money coming into my company.
0: Yeah. And I think there, there are two points that I'll pick up on your answer there. I think number one is that an ERP system, assuming that most companies above a certain size will have an ERP system, you can go out and buy things, and you can pay suppliers within an ERP system. Now, as we all know, you can't do it particularly well. It's not very flexible. We all know some of the challenges of of using some of uh, some of these big ERP systems in terms of you know they're clunky. It's not easy to get data out of them. But you can at least do it. Could it be then potentially an argument going back to the point around funding and the market getting tougher? That do you see perhaps some of the ERPs maybe? acquiring some of what I call best of breed solutions, what you call point-based solutions to to maybe complement their core offering? Do you think that's a way that the market could potentially go? That's the first part of the question. And then the second part is, you said that everyone in an organization theoretically can go out and need or needs to buy something, not necessarily can go out and buy something if they're not an authorized requisitioner, but everyone theoretically needs to buy something. And that really talks to the point that whatever technology you use, it either has to be very easy to use or to adopt or to onboard people, or you have to have a very controlled number of people that have access to it. Otherwise, whatever strategy you use, it's going to fail. So maybe I know that was a long question and forgive me, but maybe talk a little bit about both of those.
1: Yeah, um, they're actually two very, very good questions and salient to our industry just in general, as well as the model itself. The first point about the ERPs, yes. Uh, so I actually used to work at Oracle. I used to work in procurement uh, over there. And I think the worst kept secret in show business was that we didn't like using procurement either uh, because it was clunky and it wasn't easy. <laughs> uh, sorry, nothing against them now. to find organization. But um, I absolutely believe that there will be consolidation through those organizations acquiring uh, companies that have easier to use and growth-based uh, uh, SRM P2P, enterprise management, whatever you'd like to call it, it's all the same uh, solution. So yes, I do absolutely believe that there's going to be consolidation in the space. I absolutely believe that um, some of your more traditional ERP providers are going to go out and acquire solutions as opposed to developing it. You do look, of course, at the most famously at uh, SAP, obviously acquired a company many, many, many years ago. Right, many years ago. And that started what I thought would be a trend and maybe didn't necessarily turn out to be the case. But I do believe that that is going to happen uh, probably in the next several years, uh, you'll see, uh, you know, the more traditional uh, ERP players looking to go acquire and build out that part of the business.
0: Why didn't that happen? Sorry, because it, it, you're right, it, it, it was the logical next step, wasn't it? When SAP acquired Ariba, then okay, why didn't why didn't Oracle or why didn't Microsoft go out and do the same thing?
1: Yeah, that's a that's one thing I was kind of wondered about. And I'll tell you, when we were at Oracle and we bought uh, we bought Sun, we bought Siebel, we bought uh, PeopleSoft and JD Edwards, and I think the focus kind of shifted onto I need to go and consolidate the ERP environment. But then when they did buy Siebel, and, and subsequently, I don't know they did too much with it. Uh, that was an interesting time because I thought you would start seeing some of that consolidation of just industry, whether you're sitting on the sales side or the buy side of the table, the software to go and and run that uh, part of the world. I also think that at some point in time, I live in San Francisco, uh, so there's a very, very large software company that built a building here. And I thought that they are just focused on the CRM side. They might also go and acquire something, if not necessarily build it to go get into the other side of the table. Um, But I haven't seen that yet. So it's a bit of a head scratcher out there. I'm not entirely sure I I uh, understand the thinking. I, I would think that somebody would want to offer both sides of the table and have a complete view because the analytics would be incredible. The insights would be fantastic. So that's said. Now, the other e- question you asked, the second question is uh, ease of use. And I think ease of use is a critical component. Let's go to the aforementioned comment about uh, legacy providers. And and you could look at from you know Magic Quadrant uh, leaders, if you want to use that term loosely, uh, which I never you know, never heard anybody scream, gee, I can't wait to use 35-year-old software. But that is <laughs> uh, that is the state that is the state of the world. Whether we like
0: it's it. not like whiskey, is it? It doesn't get better with age.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things I like to say is, you know, would you buy a 35-year-old car if they were sitting with a new Tesla next to it? Probably not if the Tesla cost half as much and it didn't require a mechanic full-time to keep it up and running, uh, like, like some of the other solutions out there. Okay, I won't take uh, shots at uh, the industry. But uh, I will say this, I think that, If you have a easy-to-use solution, what's really important about that ease of use is not that it's just, you know, look, my kids can figure out how to use our software, for example. That's great. But what it really talks about is it increases stakeholder adoption. And I think in some of the legacy tech, uh, stakeholder adoption suffers. Uh, And I'm talking about from the supplier onboarding experience to the internal customer consumer? How do I go and buy a widget today experience? And it goes on and on from there. How do I do contracting? How do I do my supplier management? Could I do a DEI? Could I see everything in a single pane of glass? I think those are the standard logical questions people would want to ask. And you want to make it easy to consume. And if it's easy, then I'm going to be engaged. I'm going to be involved. And what does that really mean? That turns out to be addressable spend. And for this procurement guy, the thing that I always wanted is I want addressable spend. I want to have visibility. So if we're involved, it means we're adding value and creating a better, more efficient organization in general. And that's benefit net, net to the company. But if it's a challenge to use, then look, go back to the aforementioned comment, Dr. Chester Caris. A, I need, B, I got, like, I'm not, I'm just going to go get this thing. And yes, I think everyone has the ability to buy because the company is, you know, they hire them, right? So that obviously the, the company has the fiscal obligation to have to pay that bill. If the person leaves, the company still has to pay that bill. So I do think there is the need to go get your arms around spend. I think you have to have offerings in this industry that are starting to be easy to use uh, and beneficial to the internal stakeholder. So yeah, I, I, it, it's going to be interesting. A, I do think there will be consolidation. I absolutely think ERP uh, big providers are going to get into this space a little bit more uh, fervently over the next couple of years. And uh, I think that the ones that are going to win are going to be those that are easy to use Uh, Have a nice UI UX uh, for the user experience and um, are, to be honest with you, probably quick to deploy, right? So let's get out of the business of having to make
0: it's a massive one, isn't it? Ease of, especially now with ROI, with companies looking very carefully at what they invest in from a software perspective. They nobody's got two years to see a return on investment these days, do they? I mean, especially. Even when you look at capex, typically a CFO will typically want to see payback in in a couple of years, and unless it's you know a real big capital investment that's perhaps somehow ingrained with ESG objectives, where they where where they have a wider, more ideolo- ideological reason to do it.
1: We were just talking to a company actually that is in the logistics business. One of the uh, let's call them politely legacy providers in our industry that just was acquired by a PE firm about uh, half a year ago. Is the provider of choice at this logistics company to do their SRM for them, and they're still deploying them they, when they acquired the software originally in 2021. So it's been over two years. Now, the conversation I was just having last night itself was, how much do you think they've actually spent in capex, right, for deployment, right, all SI work? How much do you think they've spent so far trying to get this right? And my guess is, you know, you're talking, you know, in the millions. And if that's the case, I think that that capex hit. CFOs are going to start balking at that. I I think there's going to be a hesitancy to want to get into. You know what, the legacy tech is, it was was largely in some cases, uh, perpetual based on-prem software that, uh, if I could use the term, trying to sassify it now. It's hard to because that, uh, you know the, the, the technical debt, the technical concrete, whatever term you want to use, I think is proving to be challenging to say, it costs a lot of money to get that up and running. Uh, and maintain it, as opposed to some of the newer solutions out there, and yes, shameless plug raindrop is one of them uh, that could be up and you know fully deployed and it, it we' we measure ourselves in you know days, maybe weeks, certainly not months or years,
0: yeah, I like to compare it a little bit. I mean, I come from my procurement history was always in manufacturing businesses and and I've done some direct spend in the past. I kind of like to compare it a little bit to everyone that rushed out in the early 2000s to go and to go and buy component parts from china in the automotive industry that yes there was a there was a cost saving and an roi on paper that was months but then the costs that everyone paid supplementary to that for supplier quality engineers and for air freight when they didn't deliver anything on time it's a little bit similar to consultancy and maintenance costs on on legacy procurement tech isn't it that you do need an army of consultants to implement a lot of these a lot of the time. it's um, Yes, it will get better over time as they start to streamline and perhaps look at a more modular approach to how they sell it, but to do a full source-to-pay implementation on some of the legacy providers... That's why these big consultancies love to plug them so much, isn't it? Because they know they earn, they earn quite a lot of money off the back of it. Whereas if they're agents or partners of someone like a a raindrop or a breast of breed solution that, that you can implement in days and weeks and, or or even months, worst case, not years, then, you know, they're not going to earn as much on consultancy. I I know, I know it's a little bit cynical view of the world that I take, but it, it is a factor.
1: There is one key piece you have to think about, and I'll go back to this logistics company I was just mentioning. They still are trying to deploy uh, this uh, solution after two years. You have to think about the political capital of any CPO, head of procurement, head of manufacturing, procurement, whatever you want to call that title, that specific role. They've worked their entire career to become a head of procurement, man or woman, whoever it happens to be, right? Right. No one's going to go and take and say, I'm going to go take all of my political capital, throw it at a new provider, try to solve this for me quickly at a fraction of the cost that's easier to use. We're going to get more you know, buy-in from my stakeholder community, including suppliers, because I can't afford to go and put out that risk that uh, my CFO is going to say, what are you thinking? we just invested millions and millions of dollars deploying a whole software uh, for our own custom needs. So we have no choice but to go suffer through the next five-year depreciation cycle of that. So I think there is a little bit of reality to that as well. But again, right there's a there's a hat for every head, and there's you know there's millions of them out there. And I think there's those organizations that are going to be more nimble. Some procurement leaders or finance leaders are going to be quicker to move. Some legal leaders who are going to say, you know what, I'm willing to go take my CLM requirements. And uh, uh, I'm gonna I could partner with procurement, and I, they have they need sourcing requirement and a contract uh, uh, solution as well and a supplier management. Let's go take that. I want to get something light, quick to deploy, modern software that the people are going to enjoy using. Uh, I think that's the direction of the world. I I don't think that these big heavy deployments uh, is really the way that we're going to be going.
0: Yeah, and I think now especially we're seeing more and more. Millennials starting to get into heads of procurement positions, particularly at, at younger or, or or some more dynamic companies. Especially if you look at tech and service industries rather than traditional manufacturing, they're obviously to some extent more digitally native than than the more than, than than the older generation of leaders that are starting to retire now. So, you know, do you think that that risk aversion? I mean, yes, I take on board your point that every every Everyone once they've worked their way up is going to be a little bit looking over their shoulder to make sure they don't make a a stupid mistake that could get them fired, but at the same time, I think their appetite for risk in terms of best of breed and more modern software will just reflect their sort of generational trends that they you know get where well, they went through high school using facebook so do you think that will change things or do you think it's more on the solutions provider side that they that they that they will just as a result of the market evolving? Will, res- will, will become more nimble nimble and start to sell their solutions as more of a module approach like i know we, we were discussing before we we hit record i know that raindrop does that for example to enable them to to have that versatility
1: yeah that's a great question i don't know that the legacy industry is going to be able to break apart uh different modules easily and say look if you just need a sourcing solution that's great like uh, and, and again i don't want a shameless plug here i don't think that's the intent of this but you know, if you, somebody just... If a client said, look, I just want a, to buy a uh, sourcing module. Great. Raindrop could just sell you a sourcing module. We could have you up and running and you know, let's get it ready in a week. That's wonderful. We could do that. I don't know that legacy tech is going to be able to historically move and pivot that quickly. Now, if they could modularize the environment, that's fine. We certainly don't want to be in the business, at least at our company, of trying to make all the large si practices uh, you know millionaire uh, businesses right that that's not our number one goal I, I, as a procurement practitioner myself for as long as I've done this I never understood hiring these and creating capex engagements on these big uh, uh, consultant firms uh, that would be okay I have a one x two x three x the cost of my annual license fee just for the deployment cost and uh, that's going to take me six months twelve months my roi all of a sudden is you know Out the window. And maybe if I did a 36-month deal, I use the license on day one, but I'm not actually getting access to using it in a useful manner in any way, shape, or form until month number 13, because they've been building for that long. It's kind of like getting a car in 36 months for leasing it, but actually only getting able to use it in month number 13 through 36. And of course, the sales rep is going to call you at month number 24 and say, hey, gee, can we get an early renewal this year? So you really just got 12 months of using this thing. And you say, well, what kind of model is that? So the procurement <laughs> cynic in me, and I've certainly done this for many years, said, "Okay, let's not do that. Let's let's change that paradigm. If I get something for thirty-six months, I would like to use it for as much as possible." And I think that's the shift that people are going to look to and say, "That's really attractive, right? Again, lower cost, easier to use, and and, and quick to deploy." I think there is three powerful legs uh, that this those more certainly more digitally native. You're saying the millennials are now starting to take over some of those leadership positions which is an inference that you say I' think I'm getting old but that's okay
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one either just 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 <laughs> short of that border but <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah no it, it I, I think we uh, I think we'll start seeing those folks who are coming into those roles they're gonna say yeah I'm more comfortable with some of those other solutions and we' I think we're at that inflection point we're probably past it at this point where people are saying yep yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely open to and you're seeing a lot of those new uh, technology companies maybe from point solutions and that's fine. Uh, to full suite providers, uh, certainly like Raindrop.
0: So you've already picked three three things out there. Is there is there anything else that you would advise a center of excellence manager or a, or a or a an IT procurement manager to to pick out in terms of what should they ask of a startup's leadership team when they're doing their due diligence? You know, what should they be looking out for if they're looking at sourcing procurement tech in, in terms of the people that are within the organization?
1: I think they need to know that it's going to be there. I think they need to know that these people have a history and they have a, what's the word I'm thinking of, that they know that this organization is built on uh, quality, that they have a good team. Uh, and you know, everyone could use all the standard tools from LinkedIn to uh, you know, Crunchbase and those things to learn more about these companies. That's perfectly fine. I do think that uh, again, we went back to the original question: if they're fully just VC, essentially, uh, you know, backed and owned, and when that runs out, if the company wasn't successful, okay they they're, they go away like the wind. And there's risk, but I think when they look at say, this has been a company. They run themselves, These, they're, they're quality resources. they've done it. The software is great, it's easy to use, it's quick to deploy. It doesn't cost as much as the big legacy tech providers uh, that are 20 and 30 year old you know software packages. And I think that that's going to be the sector of the industry that people are going to focus in on and say, "I really like that." I think that's where we'll start to see investment.
0: So I'm conscious of the time, and uh, just to wrap this up then, if anyone would like to learn more about Raindrop or to connect with you and learn more about what you do, perhaps see a demo, uh, where would be the best place to reach out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Raindrop.com is a great website to go check out. Uh, They certainly can reach Ward at Raindrop.com. So, uh, you know, shamelessly reach out. You can reach out to contact at Raindrop.com. You certainly can do... uh, We have our LinkedIn page. You can connect with us there and chat with us there. Uh, And we're all open, right? So we're not a huge, huge company that's going to have 600 people. I don't know who to reach out to. Let me just try to reach out and find a sales guy. We're all engaged. Uh, it's, It's a great company to be... I'll put it this way. Here's my shameless plug. The invisible ink on my jersey, and for those on just the podcast won't be able to see that, but the invisible ink on my jersey will say industry disruptor. And we're really proud of being an industry disruptor in every way. If you're looking for something that's uh, new, uh, innovative, changing this industry, coming in on full suite, P2P, yet modular, quick to deploy, easy to use, and doesn't cost as much as the big legacy tech providers that are out there that you might be more familiar with, give me a call. You can reach me anytime. We're here in California. We have uh, resources uh, that we'll be happy to show you more.
0: And in terms of business size, if someone's listening to this and thinking, yes, you know, I, I can't afford one of the legacy suites because I'm just priced out of the market, what well, what typically sort of what, what sort of spend under management or size of business would they need to be to see to, to be able to see ROI and have this as a realistic uh, proposition?
1: We have clients who spend only twenty million dollars a year, we have clients who spend two billion dollars a year and everything in between. Some of our clients are up to fifty five thousand headcounts, some of our clients are up to uh, maybe 500 headcount. So it's really everything in between. It just justifies as, hey, I have to get my spend under management and uh, I need some way to... Maybe they just want to start with, I want to get my suppliers under management and my contracts. Let's just start with those two modules just alone. And that's fine, right? We can roll that on and expand later over time. Maybe you want to pick up a payable solution as opposed to using your ERP to do that when we kicked off this original conversation. So all those things are all answers we can help you with. uh, uh, Certainly at Raindrop, Again, shameless plug, but uh, yeah, excited to be able to talk to anybody who might want to learn more about it.
0: Ward, thank you very much for joining. It's always a pleasure catching up with you and we always have some great kind of conversations whenever we touch base. So glad to get this one actually recorded for posterity. So yeah, for anyone that may be interested, we will link all of that in the show notes below as well. And you can also reach out to me, James at procurementsoftware.site and I'll put you in touch with Ward and his team as well. Thank you, Ward. Enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. And uh, yeah, looking forward to catch up again soon.
1: Cheers. Thanks so much. Appreciate the time. It was great talking to you, James.
0: Okay, that wraps up another episode of the Procurement podcast. Thank you very much for listening wherever you are in the world. We are growing and constantly adding new audience members. So we're very, very glad to have you on the journey. We know there are a bunch of procurement podcasts out there now. Most of them actually are pretty good. So we're very pleased that you've taken the time today to listen to us Specifically, we'll catch you again this time next week. Take care until then. Bye for now and make procurement fun again.